Morning, New Life. Um, let's just pray again quickly before we dive in. Uh, so, Father, we, uh, we just want to give you this time. We want to hear from you, uh, not from me. We want to hear from you and your word, and I pray that you would speak to us. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Um, I, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Grant. Uh, I didn't say it was a good picture, but that's Grant. Uh, Grant is a, currently a missionary on Salt Spring Island. Uh, and he posted on Facebook uh, about a week and a half ago. And I just want to read you his post. He said, hey, I could use some prayer. I just got my heart test results that I had done last weekend, and I have at least one blockage. So they're admitting me to hospital at Delta right now so they can get me in for an immediate angiogram and to see how bad things are. I'm hoping that they only need a stint and not bypass surgery. It might take a few days to get in for the angiogram. Maybe more. Prayer would really be appreciated. Hugs. Then I talked to Grant uh, shortly after this, and he was, he was actually quite afraid of, uh, of what was going on. He has MS as well and uh, has some medical stuff and, and was afraid that he was going to need bypass surgery. Last Monday, Grant posted again. Today, I'm compelled to give God glory. After failing both a physical um, a treadmill stress test and a nuclear drug-induced stress test that clearly showed blood backing up in my heart due to blockage, my angiogram today showed that I have literally zero plaque buildup of any kind. Literally nothing. It was completely unexpected by everyone. My ER doctor confided in me that after he saw my nuclear tests, he thought for sure I'd be ready for bypass surgery. The results were that bad. I've now been released from hospital and taken off the cocktail of drugs they put me on when I first arrived. And sometime between last weekend and the test, something dramatically changed. The power of prayer, part of the joy of following Christ. Thanks to God and those who lifted up our needs and intercede. Much love and many hugs. Um, yeah. Grant got a, a pretty cool story. Um, and so it's, it's been amazing to journey with him, but to see that, like, even deeper than that, and there's stuff going on with his uncle's life, and on the same day, a cancer diagnosis that all of a sudden just miraculously changed, and there's these things going on, and, and, but it naturally kind of leads me to question and go, okay, that's awesome that Grant got a miracle, but what about Rosemary? What about Jillian's sister Rosemary? How do we reconcile that? What, what do we do when... When someone else gets a miracle and, and we don't. And is God still good even when we don't get the answers that we're begging for? Um, over the last few weeks, we've been working through the Gospel of Matthew in the dailies. And, and this week in particular, uh, we get to some interesting stories of healings. Uh, Matthew starts his Gospel off, the way he's written it, is to first of all show us that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of David. And that's how he sets up his Christmas story. To show us that, that Jesus is the one the Old Testament points towards. Uh, then we see him uh, sort of inaugurated in, in when John the Baptist baptizes him. And, and there's this voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Uh, and then Matthew takes us into the Sermon on the Mount. Which shows us what this kingdom looks like. Who this Jesus is and what the kingdom's supposed to be about. So we have the Sermon on the Mount. And then coming right out of the Sermon on the Mount, we see some healing stories. Where Matthew wants to show us Jesus' resume. Because he says some radical things. And they question, who, who has the authority to say these things and reinterpret the law? And then Matthew shows us that Jesus does because look at the power. It's his resume. It's his authority. So uh, we saw three of those stories this week. 
The first one, we see Jesus uh, heal a leper. So Matthew 8, 2 to 3. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So the first story of Jesus' healing comes to a leper. And that day, a complete and absolute outcast. It, it was, it was, they, they weren't even allowed in, in social company. Jesus heals the leper. Then we see Jesus goes on. Uh, he gets uh, a report from a, a Roman centurion whose servant is sick. And, and, and uh, the amazing thing here as well, the irony is that Jesus applauds this Roman centurion's faith. A Gentile, his faith is rewarded. And this is what he says. And, and said to the, and to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done uh, for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. So another, immediately another story of this miraculous healing, the servant of a Gentile officer. And then finally, uh, Jesus is in the home of Peter. And Peter's uh, mother-in-law is sick. And she's dying. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. I just got this funny picture in my head that, you know, she was on her deathbed and she's dying. And Jesus heals her and she instantly gets up. And the most important thing she can do is to start cleaning this, <laughs> this terribly dirty house. And I imagine uh, Peter's wife is very thrilled about that. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. So we have these three stories of healing that I also think are interesting because it shows us a little bit more about what the kingdom of God is like. That Jesus heals, first of all, a leper, an absolute outcast. Then he heals the servant of a Gentile officer, one who was on the outside of Israel, one who, whom he wasn't supposed to associate with. And then he heals Peter's mother-in-law, a woman who wasn't considered equal in that culture. And it shows us, again, a little bit of Jesus' heart for people and also the nature of the kingdom. But then, really interesting, at the end of, of this, of these three healings, there's one verse. This is verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now, this is an interesting verse because there are some churches out there that have taken this verse, this one verse, kind of out of context, and built a theology around it. And it's the foundation for everything they believe. And, and the argument would go in some of these churches, and maybe you know some of them, would say that Jesus bore your illnesses and he bore your diseases. Therefore, if you are still carrying it, if you are still sick, then you lack the faith. I don't know if you've heard this, but, but they, the, this, this one verse is taken and said, no, he's born it. I don't know why you're still sick. You must not have faith because Jesus bore it. Don't you believe it? Um, and so we need to ask, what is, what, is, what is Matthew actually saying here? Because it's pretty important to realize that this was fulfilling something written by Isaiah. So if we go back to Isaiah 53, what is Isaiah saying? He was despised and rejected by men. So this was written five, six hundred years before Jesus. And it was a prophecy. The, the Israelites were, they were just broken in a hot mess. And a judgment was coming and they were going to go into exile. And Isaiah is writing about them in exile and saying, listen, God will someday rescue you. God will someday bring a deliverer who will bring you sort of in this new exodus, bring you out of slavery and into freedom again. And who is this one who's going to do that? The Messiah, this is him, the, the suffering servant. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. So this suffering servant is going to take the afflictions of, of the people of Israel upon himself. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Really interesting side note. Um, this, is, this is describing crucifixion hundreds of years before crucifixion was invented. So it's saying he was pierced for our transgressions, our sins, our, our guilt, our rebellion. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, this is what Matthew is quoting. By his wounds we are healed. And he's laid the iniquity on us. And Matthew does this thing over and over again. Where he's quoting an Old Testament passage. And he, he sort of paraphrases it. And he changed the language around a little bit. And he uses a small little snippet. But he's referring back to the whole context. And the people that day would have known this context. And so um, what Matthew is actually saying is not that Jesus has borne your diseases and, and now you can claim that as a promise. He's referring to this, that God has taken our sins and our transgressions and the healing is primarily spiritual. That, that, that we are washed clean of our sin, that he was pierced and he carries that. And what, what Matthew wants to tell us is the very fact that Jesus is healing people is evidence of the fact that he is that suffering servant. That he's taking people's physical, the physical infirmities, he's putting them on himself, he's taking them in the same way that he's going to take our sin and bring us a deeper healing. So, that is the answer to a, a very oft misunderstood verse. But the reality in all of that as well is that the Bible does talk about healing. Jesus does repeatedly heal. Peter repeatedly heals. Paul repeatedly heals. Healing is, is called a spiritual gift. And there is a reality, just like in my friend Grant, we see realities, countless stories of healings that happen today. That God does have the power to heal and God will heal when he chooses to do so. But one of the things that some of these churches will say that I really have an issue with is there's this belief that it is always God's will to heal. Sometimes that's explicitly said, that it's always God's will to heal. You look at, at these stories that we read about, these healings. The leper. Anyone want to know what happened eventually to that leper? What is it? What happened to him? He died. What happened to the servant? He died. Peter's mother-in-law? She died. I really thought about making a joke about Peter and his mother-in-law there, but I'll just leave that in your imaginations. Lazarus, Lazarus, who was raised back to life, he also died. My friend Grant, Jen doesn't like this part, um, 
He got a reprieve. Someday he's going to die. And this got really real for me this morning. Um, two hours ago, I got the phone call that my grandmother passed away. Physical healing may delay the inevitable, but it's still inevitable. And what we see here in the character and the nature of Jesus is that God deeply cares for us, but his chief concern for me and for you is not that I experience comfort now. It is not always God's will to heal you here and now, but the truth that we have in Scripture is that God will heal each of us. Those who are in Christ Jesus will experience healing someday. That when he comes back again, there is healing that comes in his wings, permanent. And that is his ultimate will for us. See, we know that, that brokenness and sin, uh, brokenness and, and, and suffering and death, all of it is a result of the curse of sin, that we've broken this world. And, and when someone dies, we feel that this, this inner kind of there's something wrong here. This isn't right. And it's this echo of our nature that we're not supposed to. But we've broken it. But on the cross, Jesus takes, he's pierced for our transgressions, and he begins this process of destroying sin. And we await the day when Jesus comes back and with him the resurrection where all those who are in Christ are raised again. And in that day, we will experience healing when sin is finally done away with. And so what is God's will for me right now? It's not about this moment. It's about getting me and as many people as possible into eternity forever. Someday, Someday, Terry, you get new knees. Doesn't mean it's going to happen today, but someday you're going to get new knees and you're going to run. And Peter, you get to play soccer again on your new knees. Someday, Norm Duick will ride horses again. Well, if, if, he, if he wants to. <laughs> if he, he might not be ready even by then. But still, someday in eternity, we're going to have the time to hear all of George Brewster's stories. Maybe, maybe, someday. And so as I look at what is God's perspective in, in the suffering in my life and in, in the people around me who are suffering and, and there's this, God, does God care about me? Is God ignoring me? And I think we're missing the point if we say that it's always God's will to heal and it has to be now because his, he, he might be trying to use that just as Jillian talked about. He might be trying to use that to do something deeper in me and deeper in, in the, the lives of the people around me through pain and through suffering because his ultimate will is not in this life but in the one to come. As a parent, I find there's an interesting perspective that you get. My kids, if you ever come to me and ask, no matter how desperately you plead, no matter what arguments you make, if you ask for a face tattoo, with all that you are and all that you have, beg for a face tattoo, every time, hands down, heads up, I'm saying no. Why? Because I don't care about this moment I want you to have a job someday. Because I want you to support your mother and I. We, we get so fixated 
on, on these 80 years that we get. That's all we can think about. But God is looking at the perspective of eternity. And he wants to use our lives here and now. And use us as an instrument of blessing other people around us. And maybe for us, the sheer fact of suffering is what will lead others to a greater ultimate healing eventually. And so... We pray knowing that God can and does heal. But he's not a cosmic vending machine. We don't put in the right prayers in the right amount at the right time and receive what we feel like we've earned. It's not a cosmic vending machine. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. It'll be healing for your ears eventually. Um, if, you, if you're here today and, and, and you're in pain... I want you to know that, that you can call out to God who is your father who says that he cares for you. And there may be times in our lives when God's will is to bring a miraculous healing. Um, but the reality is that that miraculous healing might not even be for you. It might be the testimony. I mean, maybe Grant's healing that happened last week was simply because I could use his sermon illustration. Um, but the testimony that gives to God's goodness and grants thousands of Facebook friends. I've been frustrated before when we've gathered around people to pray and the prayer has become, you know, we pray that they have patience in their suffering and pray for endurance and like, no, that's not what they need prayer for right now. Like, let's pray that God can heal them because we believe that he can. I believe that God can heal. And so with these things in your life, take them to God, ask, seek, knock, bring them to him in faith that he can heal. And I want to encourage you to do that. And if today you're at that place and there's suffering in your life, then, then, Maybe even while we're singing, just come up, grab me, grab Scott, grab someone else, and we will pray. And we pray knowing that God can. And we also pray knowing that God will. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but on the other side of the grave, if we are in Christ, we pray in faith knowing that God will. And for today... For today in all things, our prayer ultimately needs to be, whether it's with our lives or the lives of those people around us that we love, it's not my will, but thine be done. With our eyes fixed on eternity and the role that we might play to get others there as well. Let me pray. So Jesus, God, we thank you that you were pierced for our transgressions and our sin. Thank you, God, that you have brought us victory over the brokenness we experience around us. God, we know that in this world we will have trouble. We will experience the curse of sin. Um, and ultimately, God, we, we take a moment, as difficult as it is sometimes, even just to acknowledge that, um, that each of us has an ending. And God, keep, help us keep that in perspective and to put our faith and our trust and our hope in you and the promise of eternity, the, the promise of healing someday and what you ultimately want for us. God, thank you that you love us, that you're with us, that you have good for us, even in the midst of disappointment. 
Help us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Uh, it's good to hear from you this morning, Pastor Andrew. What a great message and uh, encouragement. Um, you know, as a church, uh, we have been saying goodbye to some folks, but some of them have stuck around, like Henry and Wilma. And, um, and this morning, we want to do that with uh, Phil and Jess. Um, but I, I, I want to say this, that sometimes I can feel like, oh, it, what's happening? What, what is God doing? He's doing a lot. You know, next week, we're going to have a baptism. You do not want to miss a baptism. God is still working here in our community and our church. And we can praise him for that. But in that, God has been working in Phil and Jess's life. And we want to bring them up. So why don't you have a seat here for a moment? And uh, come on up, you two. We didn't rehearse this at all. Uh, matter of fact, I even forgot to reach out to Phil. And I said to him, text him, hey, you guys going to be in church this morning? Uh, but hey, Phil, how encouraging it was it today to see two youth up here asking prayer for being able to do Alpha in their, in their, their school? It was super encouraging. <laughs> yes. Super encouraging. Yeah. yeah. And you know, um, you aren't going to stop being part. You're not going to stop doing ministry. Uh, you're just going to do it in a different way, both of you. And uh, we want to celebrate that and just uh, pray for you in this next journey and adventure. So, you know what? It's good exercise to stand. Uh, so we're going to have you stand again. Isn't that great? Because we want to show them that we're standing with them as God is moving and working in their life. And so, will you pray with me as, uh, as we pray for them? Father, I thank you for this couple and the work that you are doing in their life, the way you have used them over the years here in New Life and, and uh, how you have um, opened doors for them to just share, to give, and to serve you uh, in this environment. And Lord, I thank you that their heart continues to be here in this community. And as uh, Phil uh, ventures into his education, Lord, that his eyes would be lifted up to you to say, Lord, what are you doing today? Even though I'm here to get an academic education, you are still at work. You are still doing your thing. And where do I fit in that? And Lord, for Jess, as she continues with her education, that she too is aware that you are uh, using her in her environment and the people around her. Lord, we, we send them uh, in a different way into this community. And Father, thank you for the privilege that we have had to journey with them and the privilege we have to continue to journey with them. Father, may they know that you are a good God in their life, in the good times, Lord, and in the difficult times, because that's who you are. You never leave us or forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Super. So church, as you go today, go knowing that we have a God who hears us, knows us, wants us to come to him and say, Lord, here I am. Heal me. And he does. In Jesus' name, amen.